Queen Elizabeth II. UK's longest ever reigning monarch has passed away. Her son will succeed her on the throne as King Charles III, which raises the question for a lot of people, is King Charles the kind of king we actually want? What do you reckon? Already some in Australia are saying, well, obviously now is the time for us to have an Aussie head of state, a head of state that we can actually choose. Is it time for that now? In almost equally momentous news, the TV show Succession won outstanding drama at the 74th Primetime Emmy Awards. And show creator Jesse Armstrong, uh, so he joked, big week for successions. New king in the UK, this for us. Evidently a little more voting involved in our winning than Prince Charles. I'm not saying we're more legitimate in our position than he is. We'll leave that to other people. See, even as an Englishman himself, there's discomfort in, in having a king foisted on you against your will, a king not of your own choosing. Which I think makes sense when it comes to most human leaders. But I've noticed, and, and maybe you've noticed as well, that can be a barrier to people considering the gospel the good news about Jesus. Because according to the gospel, who is Jesus? He is the king. In fact, he is the king of kings, not just for a three-year term, but forever. And not just over one nation like Australia, but over everyone everywhere not by our election, but by God's. And for the average Aussie who thinks the only good leader is one you can vote out when you need to, how is that meant to be good news? That might be something you've wondered yourself. How is it good news to say Jesus is king? What's so different about Jesus that people might actually want him to be their king forever? That's a good question to be asking as we come to this psalm tonight. Because Psalm 72 is about a king, a king people actually want. It's not actually about Jesus in the first instance, but by the end tonight, it'll help us answer the question, how is it actually good that Jesus is king? Psalm 72 is a prayer of David, king of Israel. Uh, from verse 20, you can see that it looks like maybe the last prayer David ever put into song. But from the title at the top, it looks like Solomon, David's son, is the one who actually wrote it down for David. As we worked through Kings, we saw that David reached the point in his life where he was, he was too old to actually get warm anymore. And maybe actually this is from the point where he was too old to actually write himself. But it's appropriate that Solomon writes it down for him because David's prayer is a prayer for Solomon. 
as Solomon is about to succeed David on the throne, just like Charles succeeding Elizabeth now, David has a dream for his boy, and you can see it is a big dream. A dream so big only God could make it true. David dreams and prays for his own son Solomon that he'll be such a righteous king that all the people in the entire world would actually want him to be king over them. So the question is, what would Solomon have to be like as king for that to happen? Solomon would have to be a very different kind of king. A king who only ever uses his power, not for himself, but to put things right for the weak, the helpless, the vulnerable, the needy the ones who can never return the favour. See it there in verse 2? He'll judge your people with righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. Then again, verse 4, may he vindicate the afflicted among the people, help the poor and crush, not the weak, but the strong oppressor. So, So try to picture that. It doesn't matter how powerful and influential someone is, how useful they could be as an ally to the king themselves. If they have used their power for oppression, well, this king uses his power to bring them to justice. And it doesn't matter how weak or poor or afflicted someone is, how worthless they might seem to everyone else in society. With this king, they get justice. See how David puts it in verse 6 there? For those who've been mown down, this king will be like rain that saves them from death, rain that makes them grow again. So kids who've been abused, are protected. Women who are intimidated or beaten are rescued from that situation. People who are isolated, no friends or allies, they're actually embraced. With this king, that's what he uses his power to do. Now, let me ask you, does that sound to you like a normal human leader? Think about this. If someone made you absolute monarch of Australia, I don't mean like a figurehead like Charles, I mean like a real king like Solomon was. Someone with with absolute power, actually very little accountability. If If you had that kind of power, would you even come close to this? Self-serving unrighteousness runs deep in all of us, doesn't it? Isn't that why we don't want anyone else to have absolute power over us? Uh, We know they can't be trusted with absolute power if they're anything like ourselves. So when David prays for his son Solomon to have perfect fairness perfect compassion, perfect justice. 
He's praying for a king who's not like us. He's praying for a king who's like God, which is exactly what he says, verse 1. It's really the key verse here. Verse 1, David prays, God, give your justice to the king, your righteousness to the king's son. David asks God to transform Solomon to give him not normal human justice compromised with self-interest, but God's own perfect fairness, compassion, justice. David knows he's asking for a miracle. So the psalm ends, verse 18, with praise to God who alone does wonders. Transforming the king like this? That would be a wonder only God could do. But David's not done. It's not enough for God to change the king himself. David dreams that this king will actually change the entire world. David dreams that this different king will take over and transform the world. That's actually what he says from verse 8 there. Read it with me. May he rule from sea to sea and from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes kneel before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coasts and islands bring tribute. The kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. Let all kings bow in homage to him. All nations serve him got to realize just how outrageous this request here is. See, Israel was just a tiny little nation. Nothing compared to the superpowers of the day. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia. Yet David dreams that actually all the world's superpowers will actually come and bow before his son Solomon. But how? How is this king of such a tiny nation meant to take over and rule all the much greater nations? Many world leaders throughout history have gone a long way to ruling the world. Think of Alexander the Great, Augustus Caesar. When they do, it's usually through military dominance, economic clout, crafty politics. But the next verse tells us how David wants his son to take over the world. You've got to read it there for yourself just to check that I'm not making it up. This is how David hopes it'll happen, that all kings will bow to him and all nations will serve him. Verse 12, for, this is the reason, for he'll rescue the poor who cry out and the afflicted who have no help. He'll have pity on the weak and helpless and save the lives of the poor. He'll redeem them from oppression and violence for their blood is precious in his sight. That's why everyone in the world will flock to him and bow down, not through war, wealth or politics, but because his God-given justice for the vulnerable is just too beautiful to resist. Can you picture that? 
It's not easy. It's so far from the world we know now. See, our world respects nations like America and China. They've got the biggest economies, the strongest armies. Imagine a world that's completely different. Imagine some tiny, insignificant, meaningless little country. What's, what's an example of, of one so small that you, you can't even barely think of it as an example? I've got it, New Zealand. Okay, so, so it might be hard to see right down in the bottom there. I understand most world maps don't even include it. But imagine a world in which New Zealand became by far the most important nation on the planet. A visit from New Zealand's Prime Minister to your country was by far the highest honour. Formerly rogue states now did whatever New Zealand told them to do. And it was New Zealand culture that the whole world tried to imitate. Simply because the way they actually welcomed asylum seekers was just too beautiful. The way they refused to let big business crush the little guy was just too compelling. The way they fed the hungry was just too attractive. The way they actually loved those with mental illness was just irresistible. Pretty different world, huh? David has a dream for his son uh, first, it'll be a very different king, a, a king with God's own perfect justice. And second, that this different king would make a very different world in which all of us throughout the world, even as far as Australia, we're won over by just how beautifully just this king is. It's quite a dream to have for your boy, isn't it? My boy Xander's 15. When he was little, my dream for him was that he'd do what I say occasionally. For many years, it seemed impossible. Lucy said, just give up on it, Jeremy. It's not going to happen. But I kept in there, and I can honestly say now I've lived to see my dream fulfilled. Xander does do what I say occasionally. It's not really on the same scale as David's dream for his boy, is it? David's dream is a bit bigger. Where does David even get the idea to ask God for this? Well, he gets it from God himself. See, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve rejected God chose to live for themselves instead of ruling the world in God's likeness, which cursed the whole world. Then God promised Abraham that his descendants, the nation Israel, would reverse that curse. So the whole world would be blessed through Israel, blessed as it should be. So Psalm 72 is really just asking God to make good on that promise. When Israel's king shows what it's like for a human to rule in God's likeness, then the whole world will be drawn in and be blessed. 
Uh, Verse 17 in the psalm even quotes that promise to Abraham from Genesis to show David's dream for his boy, it's not completely crazy. It's actually what God promised. And in Solomon, it even started to come true. Last five weeks, we've worked through 1 Kings 1 to 11 together, the story of Solomon's uh, ascension to the throne and reign over Israel. Now, I want to test if you were listening through that. Uh, God says to Solomon, ask me anything you want. Who can tell me what Solomon asked for? Christy? Wisdom, that's true. Uh, not, not riches, but wisdom. Wisdom to do what specifically? Anyone know? Do justice. That is exactly right. To do justice and righteousness, just like Psalm 72 is talking about. Putting things right for the ones no one else cared for. So we saw a, a beautiful example of that where... Solomon did that for a prostitute who almost lost custody of her baby. Do you remember that? And it was beautiful. People came from every nation on earth to bring tribute to Solomon. Even gold from the Queen of Sheba, like verse 15 of Psalm 72, just there. Because everyone everywhere was enthralled by God's beautiful justice seen in Solomon. Solomon started so well, but he didn't end well, did he? By the time he died, Israel didn't remember Solomon so much for that justice. That The main thing that stuck in their minds was the way he pressed them into forced labour to build a huge palace for himself. Justice for the weak gave way to self-indulgence by the powerful. Solomon was one of us, after all. And not just Solomon, as we'll see as we continue one kings after the break, all Israel's kings do the same. Israel's kings threw away David's dream. But the strange thing is, Israel's people didn't. Uh, Psalm 72 stayed in Israel's hymn book, the, the book of Psalms. That's why it's in our Bibles today. They actually kept singing it every time a new king ascended the throne, like Charles is, is doing today. They kept that up almost a thousand years Can you imagine a thousand years singing this Psalm 72? Every time a new king ascends the throne, singing it, thinking, oh Lord, may this guy be the one. Only to face the disappointment over and over that yet another king could not live up to Psalm 72. A thousand years of that until Jesus Christ finally did. Jesus was descended from David, but he was conceived by God's own spirit. Jesus is human, 
but he's God become human. Uh, So unlike Solomon, the justice of Jesus, his, his expression of God's beautiful justice, it didn't fail and cannot fail. When Jesus went public in Israel for the first time, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18, that's actually just what he announced to everyone. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. Jesus says he's not here to serve himself. He's going to put things right for others, for those who need it most. And in Luke's gospel, immediately that's what we see him doing. He's good to his word. It's actually even better and more extraordinary than David ever dreamed. So if someone is isolated by disease or they've lost a loved one, Jesus actually heals them, raises them to life, reunites them together again. If they're hungry, Jesus creates food, actually an abundance of food, more than they needed, like the end of Psalm 72. Just like the psalm, Jesus puts things right, not for himself, but for those who need it most. It is amazing, and yet even all these wondrous deeds, they weren't really what Jesus came for. They were actually just pointers to what he really came to do. Luke's gospel hits its climax, not in Jesus healing and feeding people, but in Jesus dying on the cross and rising from death to offer new life. Now that is the ultimate way Jesus puts things right for people like you and me. That's the ultimate way Jesus saves the needy from death, as Psalm 72 puts it, verse 13. That's the the ultimate way Jesus shows us that our blood is precious in his sight. More precious even than his own blood, which he was willing to shed for you and me. Now that kind of king, Isn't that a king you actually want? Isn't that a king you can trust to always have your good at heart? When you know Jesus went to the cross for you, you don't fear the power and authority of Jesus. You love the power and authority of Jesus. You welcome and embrace the power and authority of Jesus. The king who died for you, that's the king you want to serve. Of course, when you you look around the world, it's clear Psalm 72 isn't done yet. Uh, We don't see every wrong in the world put right. We don't see everyone in the world turning to to this beautifully just King Jesus, not even close. 
So now that Jesus has ascended to heaven, he's not here physically anymore, how are people meant to see that his kingship really is good news? Well, Jesus is still here by his spirit working in and through us who follow him now. Luke wrote a sequel to his gospel, the book of Acts, about the spread of the gospel after Jesus' resurrection. And after Jesus rose to new life and poured out his spirit on his followers, Acts chapter 2, see how it changed them. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The spirit of Jesus changes his followers, you and me, to be like him. To give of ourselves, to to put things right for those around us who are in need. And as Psalm 72 would lead us to expect, that did draw in more and more people to Jesus. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I see, people see the way Jesus changes his followers, making us like himself, changing us to give of ourselves to help the needy. And when people see that, they get to see how beautiful it is that Jesus is king. And often they want the kingship of Jesus too. Jesus' own healing and feeding, they were pointers to the ultimate way he puts things right for people in his death and resurrection. And when we do whatever we can to put things right for people, uh, helping people in their illness, their hunger, their need, we too can be pointers to the death and resurrection of Jesus. About 10 years ago, I was uh, up in Cairns visiting the Prezi Church up there. Now, there's quite a few refugees who've been settled in Cairns. Um, Of course, they're really grateful to be there, especially given what they've escaped from. But at the same time, they're mostly left to themselves to figure out how things work in Australia, this, this country that's so new to them. So how do you get a driver's license? How do you get a job? How do you just get to know other people? And it was so beautiful to see just the the ordinary followers of Jesus at Cairns Prezi just doing whatever they could to help with all that. Giving them driving practice, helping them fill out the right forms for different things, just being friends to them. It was so beautiful beautiful to see that it wasn't surprising to see several of those refugees coming to church now to hear more about Jesus this king who moves his followers to put things right for others like that it was so beautiful it wasn't surprising to see some of those refugees had actually turned to serve king Jesus themselves people from Baha'i backgrounds, people from Muslim backgrounds. It shouldn't have been surprising 
because Psalm 72 says that's how it's going to work. I actually really like this particular example because this is up in Cairns, right? This is not just Queensland, this is North Queensland. So these people, they weren't like lefty, progressive, hippie, Marxist Republicans. (laughs) Most of them... Most of them were conservative, politically, socially, theologically. They didn't show compassion out of some kind of blind following of a secular ideology. They did it because Jesus put things right for them. And now they want to reflect that in their own lives too. That's obviously a big reason uh, why we do what we do in Village Mosaic. The aim is to put things right for people who fall through the cracks. So if you serve Jesus and love his kingship, how could you play your part in what Mosaic does? Could you help cook community dinners? Could you serve those dinners to the hungry in in Kelvin Grove, Wednesday night, Spring Hill here in the hall, Thursday nights? Could you connect with people over at uh, the Kelvin Grove pop-in cafe, Wednesday lunchtime? Could you help with barista training to help people find work? Uh, Could you help people move when they actually don't have anyone else to help them? Could you do a working bee for Kundu Park in Kelvin Grove, making a beautiful space for community? Could you pack food boxes, Spring Hill, again, uh, just over in the hall, to help those who are struggling? Could you bring groceries for those food boxes just next week, like we had the list up before? Could you donate to the upcoming Christmas hampers? to reflect the generosity of Jesus at the very time people are remembering his birth. They're all just small ways, actually, that as followers of Jesus, you could help put things right for people in need. And of course, we should be doing that, whether people see it or not, just to reflect Jesus in our lives as his followers. But when people do see it, That is a major way that Jesus draws more people to himself as they see how beautiful it is that Jesus is king. Of course, it doesn't have to be through Mosaic. Uh, Maybe for you, it's your workmate who's struggling at the moment. Maybe for you, it's uh, the new parents who need a hand Maybe for you, it's, it's the elderly person who doesn't get much company and you can be that company for them. What will it be for you? When you do whatever is in your power to put things right for others, for those in need, because, because you love Jesus and you love his kingship, then people around you will start to see how beautiful it is that Jesus is king and maybe they will turn to follow Jesus too like David let's pray that will happen I'm going to pray now
Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus and his beautiful kingship. Please help us, each of us, to see how good it is that Jesus is king. Please help us to show that to others. Change us to be more and more like Jesus himself. Change us to give of ourselves to help those in need. And may people see Jesus working through us and turn to serve him too. That he may be honoured and served and glorified more and more through the whole world as he really should be. For his sake we pray. Amen.